my always thoughts, which are around resilience. And when we were talking about for the kids who want to dive deeper and they are intellectually curious and they're able to be in their thinking brain, what a great project to maybe instead of doing a family tree, because I know that's something that you do at school, but what hardships have our family or our community been through in the past and how did we cope? excited to be here today with another episode of Resilience Conversations. I am Katie Perez with ESDAC and today I am joined by some of my colleagues and a guest as well as we have a live Zoom audience today um, in the background. So we are welcoming the school district of Otis Bison, who Rebecca and Carmen have been working with all day today. And um, we're going to jump in and get started. So I'm going to go ahead and let my colleagues and um, introduce themselves and then we'll get started with our with our moments of gratitude. Um, so I'll share mine first. Um, this morning I am grateful for a reason to get up and put on makeup and straighten my hair. Like I feel like that is something I haven't done in about 19 days and so I feel like I'm excited that I look like a human today. <laughs> so that's my moment of gratitude. Uh, Carmen, why don't you take over next? Yeah, I'm Carmen Zeisler, and I'm so excited to be here with everybody today. Um, my moment of gratitude is that I just had a really beautiful day yesterday. Um, uh, the dogs and I took a few walks and did some stuff around the new house and started getting the yard ready for uh, flowers, for flower beds, and um, it was just a really nice, um, a nice day. That's beautiful, Carmen. My name is Ginger Lumen, and I'm also on the ESDAC Resilience team. My moment of gratitude today is gratitude for technology. I know that some people grouse about it and what all it has, what a frustration it comes from. And honestly, I just came out of a meeting this morning where I messed up a lot. And I've been Zooming for uh, six years now, six years with Zoom. And, um, <clears throat> but it's still, it would be a really, really, really lonely, scary time if I couldn't connect with people like you all. So thank you, yeah. Tech. Yes, yes. I'm Rebecca Lewis Pankratz. I'm also uh, part of the resilience team here at ESDAC. Uh, and I think my gratitude today is that I'm kind of like fangirling out. So I got to meet Lou uh, two years ago at a conference in San Francisco. And there was this dynamic, incredible woman who does one of the things that is closest to my heart, which is boiling down some of the serious science so it's consumable to the rest of us. And I started perusing her site, echo parenting, listening to how she's on a mission to help parents who struggle to find the home lives that they deserve with their kids. And she accepted to be here with us today from California. So that is what I am grateful for right now in this moment. So Lou, do you have a moment of gratitude that you would like to share with us this morning or afternoon or whatever time it is in the world? <laughs> 10 o'clock with me. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm grateful for community. And as Rebecca said, we met 
at a conference when she was talking about this amazing woman i thought she was talking about sissy white because <laughs> yeah. that's uh who was also on our panel um and I really feel like this is a moment for trauma survivors to come into their own. And we already have such deep connections and networks and community. And I certainly am really grateful for that community right now. Thank you. So our second segment every day, every time on Resilience Conversations is just to take a minute to talk about a social media minute. Uh, so this is a time where we think about things that we see flying through our feeds um, that either excite us about the trauma-informed world or make us a little nervous. And today, I think the one we're going to talk about is this whole theme of less is more. So if you're following Kansas journey at all in um, the, the COVID-19 response that our schools have had, we have closed down school buildings, but school is continuing to um, operate in a new way. And so that means that most of us are switching to a virtual platform and the message being sent to us from our own commissioner of education is less is more. And so let's kind of talk about that a little bit. How are you guys seeing that play out? Um, we all read kind of various platforms here. So I'm an educator. I'm also a parent. Um, Rebecca, I know you're in the same boat. And then um, we have Carmen and Ginger who bring that education side as well. And what do you see your friends doing that have um, little ones at home and how are we supporting? What does less is more mean in this new strange time? So I am uh, connected to people across the world and a lot of them are parents. Um, and one of the things that I keep seeing on a regular basis in terms of less is more is more than once I've had a parent post something like, hey, my kid can't answer how you doing nine different times. Can we get it together? And I thought, oh, how much of the message have I put out there saying let's connect with our kids, hoping, just assuming that teachers would not replicate that every single time and that can be i mean pretty soon you just start to copy and paste if i'm a kid i'm like oh i answer once boom 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 and it is so not genuine it is so not connection and in fact can i think create the opposite and that that's hurtful i think yeah i hadn't really thought about that part of like answering the question at the same time because again i come from an elementary background and so I think that I'm going to be talking to my kiddos once and I may be the only teacher they're going to connect with that day. It does speak about the importance of that community and how do we know if we're saying less is more, how do these teachers come together to connect with kids um, in a different way where we're not replicating? Yeah. It's the first opportunity for secondary teachers to unsilo. It's the Ooh. first opportunity, you know, and that's something I've been preaching for a long time. I don't know if you guys have ever done any exercises, you know, teachers are everyday superheroes and have you ever thought about what your superhero name would be <laughs> and I'm a nerd of course I have and, uh, and so my, my superhero name is the uh, silo killer is that that's everything that I've done up to this point is how do I how do I break down and help teachers break down silos between content between age between time between and that's that's been my passion for decades now and and this is our first opportunity here is how do we this is a need to unsilo for a, a bigger purpose. Absolutely. I don't know. Carmen, what are you seeing? Well, I, you know, I've just seen a lot with just my own friends um, who have children and also have full-time jobs. 
uh, you know, some of them are in the healthcare profession. Um, and so they are having to go to work every day. And they're just really trying to, to figure out what this all looks like, sounds like, feels like. Um, and I've seen that they're putting a lot of pressure on themselves to do school, um, you know, six hours a day or six and a half hours a day. And so, you know, I just keep repeating and repeating to them, you know, less is more, <laughs> less is more. How can we look at what you have to do or what you feel like are the most important things? Um, and how can, how can we help? You know, as a community, you know, I can jump on and I can help Bella with um, a reading lesson or, you know, other, you know, grandparents can jump on and help Karis and Isaac with something. Um, so how can we help uh, alleviate the load a little bit, but also really, really thinking about the idea that they're going to be okay. Like the kiddos are going to be okay. And what are some things that they could do around the house that they're super interested in that could, um, you know, maybe take the place of, of some other, you know, just that creativity piece that they could jump into um, that would help alleviate um, a little bit of stress on mom and dad too. Yeah, Carmen, I know that about you, uh, that if you were still my kids' teachers, uh, teacher, which you have been before, that they would be having all these creativity things to do. Um, I think just what is interesting for me as a parent, as I think about this, is that one minute I think I'm okay, and the next minute I'm like, there's no way, I don't even care right now, and then I have a meltdown with one of my kids' teachers, and she supports me, and then it dawns on me that she's got 20 parents melting down because she's an elementary teacher, and it's like my survival brain, and then I go, I don't know, so I just, um, and Katie, when you picked up your kiddo stuff the other day, and you were just devastated because she, you're like, these teachers are grieving that and we heard that this morning from our from our staff that we're working with today that i look around my classroom we had all this stuff we were supposed to do we're not going to do it now and there's this tremendous sense of loss um so i think i'm like in this space where i know we're all in this together the kids are going to be okay the teachers are going to make this work i'm going to try and be and I'm just, I'm just falling apart at the same time. And so, um, just interesting. Lou, when you think about uh, Kansas education and less is more, um, they've asked us to have uh, elementary school kids do no more than 90 minutes a day um, and secondary kids do no more than three hours a day. And so, uh, what does that bring up for you with, with the parents that you're working with, um, those kind of thoughts? Well, I think more is more. Because I'm thinking about my son's 24, so um, I, I should be done with parenting, but I tell you, it does not end. Um, one of the things I've noticed, he's had his hours cut back at work, and he is so much happier. He was working, um, he's working a minimum wage job, and they were doing ridiculous 12-hour shifts, and I remember when he was in secondary school, we know that teenagers need more sleep. We know that the circadian rhythm means that they don't really get awake until at least eight o'clock, if not later. Um, and finally, we don't have to kick them out of the house at seven in the morning, uh, drag them out of bed. Um, I think this is an opportunity for people to set a more realistic uh, living 
situation and sleeping situation. And I know that some people are working, adults are working and they need to get out of the house still. I'm very fortunate. Um, well, you can say fortunate. I'm fortunate in that I'm at home as I'm trying to save my nonprofit from going belly up. That's the unfortunate part. But uh, it is actually great to not have to set my alarm and to be able to get more rest, which at this moment in time, we know that rest and sleep are so important. So I hadn't heard that about the Kansas uh, school districts, but it seems to make a lot of sense in one, making sure that we're not stuffing kids to the gills with requirements. Um, two, that everyone's getting more rest. Three, that parents are not feeling obligated to come up with that much homeschooling. Um, and then four, if you're looking at it from a trauma perspective, um, the survival brain has a really hard time with memory and learning. And so if we're asking people to, you know, memorize all the presidents of the United States, that's probably not going to happen if they're feeling stressed. And why put that burden? And it's the approach we take when we do parenting in domestic violence shelters. So our normal parenting class is a 10 class series and it's very rich. Um, and we've turned that into an online course and there was plenty of content for that 20 hour course. But when we're in a domestic violence shelter, we say to ourselves, okay, what are the three things that are most important for the parents to take away? And we don't really worry too much about everything else. We just keep repeating those three things because we know that parents in crisis are not going to be able to retain all these more sophisticated and fun things. So again, uh, limiting the amount of instruction seems to make a lot of sense from that perspective. And I think about it from just the parenting perspective is um, just how important a schedule is for, for me um, and for my kiddo. And so trying to find some kind of semblance of a schedule while also not trying to um, schedule every waking moment for her. So, you know, we just, we haven't done a wake up time. Um, she gets up when she gets up and she gets started when she gets started. And um, I'm able to shut the doors and I have a couple of stop signs on the doors if I'm recording for something. And, um, and she's, she's, she's doing her stuff. You know, today's actually our first official day, but we've had a whole weekend to this and um, just letting her, my daughter's a second grader, letting her take the initiative um, to do as much as she can when she can by herself and then connecting together when I am not working on, okay, what'd you do? And what are we going to do next? And is it time for a break? Do you want to go run around outside? Have you eaten anything today? I mean, there's a lot going on um, that I'm shifting as I learn how to work at home full time and have a kid at home full time. Um, and just how I have to give myself grace in that process and be okay with very little accomplishment every day, which is not normally my go-to method of living. So it's hard. It's hard. Um, we'd love to have kind of in the, in the Zoom group chat over there on the side, kind of some of your ideas of what is, what is less and more becoming to mean to you um, as we go through this process. But Rebecca, yeah. do you want to? Yeah. Yeah, Lou, you know, I think that, um, our, our teachers are wondering, you know, when we think about social-emotional or trauma-informed uh, 
care during this time as students are in their homes, parents' stress levels are really high, people are grieving, people are scared. And, you know, can you speak to some ways that you think it'd be really helpful for the teachers who are on with us today to know, hey, if you start with this little thing in mind or little strategy, it, you're going to have an easier time of pulling your kids into the present and really seeing them where they're at. And can you just give us some of your, your wisdom there? Uh, wisdom. Hmm. Uh, I, I always return to the three-part brain. I, I think it makes so much sense of everything. Um, and I'm sure you've, you've seen the hand thing, right? Like the brainstem, emotional brain, thinking brain, and understanding which part of the brain we're in is so important. And as adults, we have to remember there's absolutely nothing we can achieve because if we have flipped our lid, uh, we are not going to be regulated enough to do the most important thing, which is to connect with the kid. So we have to really be very aware of our own emotional state, which part of the brain we're in, and give ourselves grace. You know, it's okay. It's okay to have a lot of anxiety. It's okay to be depressed. It's okay to be scared. These are perfectly reasonable reactions to the situation. So we acknowledge those feelings. We let them live within us. And we also don't let them overtake us. So if we feel that fear, what do we do to help calm ourselves down? And, you know, tons of strategies um, I could suggest, but, but basically that self-regulation, because 50% of any interaction is you. And if you are not holding it together, you're just going to freak out the kid because they're going to hear these words coming out of your mouth but your body language is not going to be in sync. And what's more, the amygdala, the fear part of their brain is going to be like, okay, I'm, I'm hearing these words, but I'm detecting a very different energy. The adult is scared. So that means I need to be scared too. Wow. That's really good. It's that co-regulation or co-dysregulation, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think um, some parents are experiencing right now? You know, I know you do a lot of work with parents, especially parents who are in tough situations. And uh, school aside, like where are our parents at right now that already had at-risk stuff happening prior to this pandemic? Well, that's a good question because we obviously had to shut down all of our in-person parenting classes. Um, and so we've turned all our support to our online classes and we're trying to get the virtual seeking safety groups that we had going back online. Um, I will be able to answer that question when, when we've managed to do those things. Right now, I'm just focusing on making sure our team is okay. And for me, that looks like uh, not calling them at nine o'clock every morning. Um, and making them feel like, oh, oh, oh I'm being watched. Um, just having a few tasks that we agree upon are the priorities and letting them get them done in their own time. So if they need to go shopping for an elderly neighbor or 
you know, the, someone in their family is having a freak out or whatever, or they're having a freak out and need to go sit in the bath for a while, um, that's okay. And uh, I, I think just look after your people. Look after your people, whoever your people are. And uh, then that will ripple out. So I will get back to you uh, on, the, on the parenting situation when I've stabilized my own team. That's really good, Lou, because I think we've got our staff too that is um, experiencing their personal lives, experiencing fear around what the kids might be going through, experiencing fear around meeting expectations for uh, critical learning. And I think a lot of times we jump to kids in trauma-informed and we forget that we've got human beings that are on the front lines of this. And not only are they being asked to make sure the kids are okay, but they're asked to create a whole different kind of academic process while they are also under stress. Um, so from our superintendent, Bill, I see laser focused on what is most important for students for future success. If we had a target in front of us, we would only focus on the bullseye, not the whole target, less is more. So he is thinking, about really kind of bringing that down. And so staff that is here today, um, what questions might you have for Lou? As they're kind of populating in there some thoughts. One question that I had is this morning I was talking to another school district and I talked about um, how we are going to have students who are living in um, fear-based environments right now and students who are living in kind of love-based environments. And um, Lou, I always, I always talk about that in connection with um, students who have avoidant, ambivalent, or disorganized attachment compared to secure attachment. What are some things that maybe we can do virtually that might kind of help kids remember that we are still a secured attachment place and help kind of mitigate some of that from them? Do you have any tips for us there? Um, well, I'm not going to say anything you don't already know, which is connection, 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 connection. And prioritizing that connection is more important than academics right now. I mean, shoot me for saying that, but, but really, it's, it's the connection. Um, and being that safe, stable, nurturing person in the child's life is so important. With the emphasis on safe. So again, that goes back to being regulated yourself because otherwise you won't appear safe or stable. Um, and actually, there is a resource on our website. We are throwing up resources as fast as we can. Um, it's a little bit buried. We just realized this is ridiculous. Our resource page is buried on our website. Um, but under who we are, there's a resource page and we have tons and tons of the infographics that Rebecca loves. Um, but we also have something about uh, circles. Oh, there it is. Uh, so Joe Provisor is someone that we've worked with in the past. Um, in, oh, that's, that's the trauma reminders, how to survive trauma reminders. Yes, that's very useful right now. That was written around the Harvey Weinstein trial because I'm a Weinstein survivor, um, but Actually, it's all of those things are really good advice for dealing with the toxic stress of this situation. But back to Joe Provisor's work, um, there is 
or if you go up the page, yeah, you're giving a nice overview. Thank you. But right up there is not looking pretty. It's called Parenting Circle. You just skip past it. Um, Dead. Got it? Parenting Circle. There you go. Um, and the very first one. Yeah. And that's a protocol for parents to be able to run um, their own groups. And it is... There's plenty of material there for parents to be able to support each other. And there's another one that is for teachers or anybody who is working with groups of children. That could be parents who get together in a kind of collective and want to work with children. Um, and that one will be thrown up there today. And that has age appropriate uh, ideas for talking with children about COVID and helping them understand and process in an age-appropriate way. So that can be used by teachers, or again, if you are um, friends with a lot of different parents and you want to do a Zoom meeting with all your kids, um, you can use that. So uh, as I said, we're, we're throwing up stuff all the time. So I'm encouraging people to come and look at our resource page. The work that Joe Provisor does is very much based on the Native American talking circles, which then became the core of a lot of restorative justice work. Um, it isn't explicitly trauma-informed. So right next to that resource, you'll find our trauma-informed meeting guidelines, which are a good idea to use in conjunction with the protocols for the circles, because that will give you some guidelines about how to keep the whole thing trauma-informed. So uh, friends that are with us today, um, this, there is a ton of amazing graphics for the classroom, for teachers, for families. Uh, I jump on here on a regular basis to see what is new because Lou, you just have this amazing staff that can take these pieces and put them into nuggets for us. Um, but I think are really life-giving and not kind of that shame, blame, hey, your um, kids are messed up because you're screwed up kind of feeling. It's more this, hey, we're all in this together. And we're actually going to do an enlightened witness piece this afternoon from one of your graphics. And so we're so excited. But everything, all these resources are free. And Lou, when I was uh, on Twitter the other day, I, I saw something about online, online trauma courses that you guys are now offering. Uh, yeah. yeah, I was really excited for that because I think there's a lot of stuff out there, but is it quality? And I know that this quality. is. This is quality. Um, I, I am so proud. We have Trauma Resilience, which is a basic um, six, it was a six, six hour live training. It's shorter online, but it's our basic uh, trauma resilience training. And then our second course that we've got up there is the trauma informed parenting class series. And it is so beautiful. I'm so proud of that because what we wanted was we wanted to keep the interactive nature of our uh, in-person classes. So there's lots of activities to do. It's also, you know, my, ethos which is always keep it clean keep it clear keep, keep it easy to understand so it's a lot of information but our e-developer did a great job in making it really clean and clear and there's 
a lot of opportunities for reflection. So normally in our classes, we have homework and then we have a lot of group discussion. So the way that we managed to uh, put that in an online format was to uh, put in a lot of questions for reflection that you can do as a journal exercise or you can also do as a group discussion. Um, so that is our second course that went up in January and our e-developer has nearly finished with our trauma-informed compassionate classrooms training, nice. which is uh, actually a salary point class here in Los Angeles for LAUSD. And it's a combination of all the basic trauma and resilience work, a lot of the skill building stuff that we do with parents, but really focused on someone who's in a large group of kids as, as teachers are. Um, and I can't wait for that to be thrown up there. That will be our third course. Uh, that just makes me so excited. Uh, I'm sure there's gonna be lots of folks that wanna dig into that. So this is so good, Lou. Thanks for seeing people and just really leading all of us there from Los Angeles, but most of all for this heart that you have for parents that struggle to heal their families intergenerationally. Like that's why I connected to you because it wasn't about fixing people. It was about creating opportunities to heal, which is so important to us too. Katie? We did have a question in the chat that I would love to uh, ask and see who would like to ring in on this is, um, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna add to this question a little bit, but um, I have heard uh, people say, I know you guys are saying less is more, and this is from parents, um, but my kid is fine and they need more. They're really, really, really bored. They need more, um, which kind of goes on with the next question of, if students are not engaging with what we're trying to do, either to connect with them or with the work, what suggestions do we have? I don't know if those, to me, those are connected questions. If they're not connected questions to you, uh, feel free to answer them separately. Uh, Lou, do you have any thoughts about that? Or, or if you wanna ponder that for a moment and see if Katie or Carmen has any thoughts. Go Lou. <laughs> that was me saying one of the people below should take that. <laughs> Okay. Okay. <laughs> I think that one of the one of the things there is to to know the child and to let um, put put out options for kids to do more, um, but make them really passion based at this time. So um, my kiddo school is doing an amazing job of the resources that they're sending. I have more than enough, and what's required is very very little. Um, I have a kid who needs to be busy. Um, she's going to start a YouTube channel because it's something that she has wanted to do for years. <laughs> um, and we have the resources to do that. And so I feel like that's something I, there's opportunities. What passion projects can your kids do? And then how do they get to share those and talk about those within their school community to help them engage? This is such a great time for our kids to learn how to learn and not how to be students. Yeah, yeah, we might have been relying on grades to be the motivating factor. And if that's not our motivating factor anymore, and we can't rely on being close to the kid, literally physically proximity saying, hey, you're gonna work today? You know, <laughs> if we're not able to do that, how are we thinking about the 
kids as individuals and human beings because there are some kids who need a whole lot less and just need to have conversations with us so that we can check to see that they're safe. And there may be some other kids who are getting that safety from somewhere else and that might be ready for something different. Carmen, did you want to jump into this? Yeah, with our Learning Center students, um, we've been talking a lot about what are all the things that they're doing at home right now that they weren't maybe doing before. Um, and so, you know, uh, that they're in charge of meals or they're in charge actually maybe of helping their younger brother and sister um, with their schoolwork. Um, and so how do we balance things um, and really just, um, just help to take off a little bit of that less is more um, with them, with those, with those high school students as well, because their life is different than it was a couple of weeks ago. I think we're gonna learn so much in the next two months. Um, I have two kids that'll be really hard to get them to stay on track and get the bare minimum done. And I have another kid that'll probably swallow up everything that his teachers give him and ask for more because so I think it's that, you know, in Kansas with our redesign, we've got this individual plans of study and the success of each child and holy smokes, like it is right here in front of us. And it's also a big opportunity, right? To figure out. So, okay. So let's kind of bring this one in for a, for a landing here, team, if we can, let's, uh, um, take a second just to share one, uh, maybe one hope we have of, of what this message might bring out to um, communities or a lingering thought that we still have. So we'll just go around to, to all five of us here and just kind of share, share a last thought. Rebecca, I'll you got one? <laughs> yeah, um, you know, uh, we recently had some folks reach out to Jim Spore Leader and say what, you know, continuous learning stuff is there for schools. And um jim pointed them back to equipping resilience coaches in the summer that we do and he said the only thing that i know of across country that is really meaningful for teachers is this thing that happens at sdac in kansas in the summer but lou that's why i because i've looked at other things that are out there other courses and they're very academic um and i don't feel like that's what teachers necessarily are looking for when they're trying to figure out how do i make this my classroom way how do i and so I think my hope today is that um, I'm just so excited about your online courses because I believe it's quality and I believe it's um, consumable and, and easily transferable because that's how I know your organization is. And so that's my hope is that, yay, we have a place to point people. Um, for me, I, um, I love all things restorative practices and restorative justice. And so to see that connection with uh, Lou's parent circles and such is very um, just exciting and kind of a door that I hadn't really thought about um, as we're working on bringing in more and more restorative practices um, through our trainings. So thank you, Lou. Should probably be signing up. I'm gonna I'm gonna second that, Carmen. I I wrote down like a big old heart next to that next to parenting circle where I wrote that down just because I think that's something that my own group of friends could really use right now. Um, I'm thinking about a few families and in, in, um, specifically that we're very close to that I know this is hitting very hard for a wide variety of reasons. And if that's something that I could do to be of value to my friend community right now, um, that made my, it just kind of made my heart soar for a moment of, of an opportunity there. My, uh, I guess my last thoughts are one, ones of opportunity. I know that right now, as we're starting to move into this, 
it's terrifying. Uh, I think for anybody's role, no matter what you're doing, whether it's uh, parenting or whether it's teaching or whether it's just going out and working at your grocery, I think that we're all reimagining what could be. And I think that in this point, we're breathing, connecting with kids. Uh, and some, I know, are clutching by the last shreds of their fingernails to how am I going to take the lesson that I was going to teach in the third, fourth quarter of this year and just translate it onto online and get that to the kids. And, and I can have a lot of empathy for that. And, and if that's what we do for the first week to just to try to survive, I'm not going to even shame that. But I think that as we jump into our project-based learning of figuring out learning by doing, how are we doing this? We're figuring it out by doing it. We're going to pull a lot of lessons and that we're going to find out that choice boards, which were always good in the classroom, are really important here. So how do we give our kids choice there? And that's on our very traditional point of view. How do we now start to move beyond that into really um, breaking down silos between content so that I can get more bang for my buck with my colleagues? How do I put my social studies with my language arts to where now social studies and language arts can actually work together with the same amount of time? We can't answer that right now, but I hope in the next eight, nine, 10, or however many weeks we're at this, we start to explore that and kind of prod the corners of what might be possible. My last thoughts are my always thoughts, which are around resilience. And when we were talking about for the kids who want to dive deeper and they are intellectually curious and they're able to be in their thinking brain, what a great project to maybe instead of doing a family tree because i know that's something that you do at school but what hardships have our family or our community been through in the past and how did we cope because that's the essential message that we should be pushing because at this time more than any other it's not a time to try and unpack our sad stories and um, feel weighted by the things that we have suffered in the past. And I know, Rebecca, one of the things that you talk about a lot is poverty. And I'm th I was thinking about that this morning because poverty is really scarcity. And that's a skill that uh, we're going to have to develop is how do you deal with scarcity? Well, for those of us who've known poverty, we already have that skill. We already have those habits hardwired into us. And so looking at it in that way, um, I think it would be incredibly encouraging to people and uh, strong and supporting. And people will come out with a sense of uh, a sum of positives rather than a sum of negatives. That's beautiful, beautiful. Thank you for yeah, sharing that's that. That's great. Uh, I see a good project there. A little history too in the meeting. Yeah. All right. So we are so thankful for those of you who joined us today with, um, with our resilience conversation. Thanks to Lou for taking time out of your day to be with us. We really, really appreciate it. Um, you can find her at um, echo, is it echo parenting dot org. Is it Commodore org? Okay. Echo parenting dot org. Echo training. Echo training. Echo, echo training. Sorry. <laughs> 
No worries. Echotraining.org. <laughs> we cannot wait to see you next time. Until then, we love you and there's nothing you can do about it. Have a great day, everybody.